Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire podcast, Basketball Edition. You know who we are, Jeremy Moss, Eli Betker, uh, MWWire.com. We do some basketball stuff, I'd say, over there. Twitter, all the fun stuff, MWCY. We might get a few more likes after the episode because, well, first off, good, um, it is afternoon, so good afternoon, Eli, on the Sunday. Yeah, good afternoon. It's good to be here. It is good. Um, I'm, and also, here's what we're doing today. We have on a special guest. We don't have guests too often, so consider yourself special here. We have Justin Michael <laughs> joining us. So, Twitter, Justin T. Michael. So, First off, Justin, say hello and tell everybody what you're kind of doing because you're sort of uh, switching, kind of changing where you're writing or doing your stuff at at the moment. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here and talk a little CSU hoops and the Mountain West in general. Um, I have been the sports director for the Rocky Mountain Collegian, which is the award-winning daily newspaper at CSU for the better part of the last year. Um, prior to that, I was a beat reporter for them for a couple of years, covering CSU football and CSU basketball. But as I kind of transition uh, my way into, you know, the post-grad life, I am now covering CSU as a freelance reporter. Uh, I've published to a variety of people, including the Denver Post, my wait, personal wait, wait. blog. I heard the Denver Post wasn't a real job when, he, when the guy asked for email address. Oh yeah, he, uh, <laughs> what? Brian Shapiro, uh, he he's begging to see my proof of employment, but <laughs> it was really ironic too because he was tweeting that at me while I was covering a girls' swim meet for the Loveland Reporter Herald. But <laughs> we don't know, need, we don't need to bring up a guy who's a point one rating and his website doesn't work himself. So yeah, exactly. oh yeah, if you go to the Twitter feed, if you click on the URL, it goes to a hey buy this URL. Yeah, if I was really petty, I would have bought his URL, but I decided I needed to be the bigger person in that well, situation. Also, you need to save up some money, too. You can't just go willy-nilly on this. Well, that yeah, that's a good point, considering I'm trying to raise money so that I can cover the Mountain West basketball tournament. I don't have any extra dollars to spare at the moment for petty Twitter wars. That'd be a good one. But, okay, I'll start with that. So, since you're now sort of on your, on your own, don't have a – well, not on your own, but a – what's the best way consistent place to write i guess yeah i mean it's on your own's not necessarily it's it's not inaccurate it's i just kind of get work as i can and i continue working the beat working with my sources and then if i don't have anywhere to publish it you know i can always go independently which is kind of how this entire thing started about a week ago there we go so if you want to help him out because here's the deal the reason we kind of joke about money we'd like to i'd like to meet justin because me and eli are headed down to vegas in march so Here's what here's the thing. If people say this is you do what you gotta do, I, I don't care. We try to make some money too, so we don't care how you do do your own thing. So if you go to a GoFundMe, it's just a simple. You got the vanity URL, which is nice. So it's a GoFundMe because oh, yeah. if you have what XZ25 underscore, nobody's gonna remember that. So if you go to GoFundMe.com and slash send Justin to Vegas, if you want to give a few dollars, that'd be great. If you want to share it on social media, that also helps because spread the word. You're pretty close, about halfway there, or almost just about halfway there, because he does not want to take the 12-hour drive, 13-plus-hour drive from Colorado to Vegas. So if you want to help him out that way, sharing, give a dollar, whatever, do it. It'd be good to have him there to chat with him. And he uh, he does good stuff because weren't you one of the first ones to mention you, Stacey, kind of being gone almost or suspended, I believe? Yeah, I, uh, I broke the initial news of the investigation on let's see i guess that would have been tuesday january 30th um i broke it on twitter and i was going to publish that night but i had some issues uh with a couple different places i I tried to get it published through multiple places and after some complicated crap it didn't end up getting published that night but i published it the next morning through my blog um and then that story ended up getting picked up by basically every regional outlet espn nbc sports a variety of other college basketball news sources i i do i do remember seeing that night i was just scrolling through twitter just looking and seeing what's going on because i think i'm pretty sure you broke the news at night at some point mm-hmm. correct me if i'm wrong um and then i saw as i retweeted and then i saw 
Rob Doss retweeted it, and then uh, Gary Parrish retweeted it. I was like, oh, man, here we go. Um, but, but yeah, that's cool. And if, if you do have a few spare dollars to help out, definitely, uh, definitely send them Justin's way. I think, uh, to send, send Justin to Vegas, uh, whole, whole project here is probably the most ethical trip or most, most ethical, uh, GoFundMe involving Vegas that you can probably find on the <laughs> internet. So, uh, so definitely help, help him out. He's, uh, he's on my elite, like 10 or 15 people on Twitter that I have on mobile notifications. So especially when there's something going on with Larry Eustace or the investigation that he's covering, um, we'll, we'll definitely help support you along the way. So, so that's my, my little spiel right there. So hey, awkward, man, I really appreciate that. Second awkward question for Eli. Am I in one of your 10 or 15 notifications? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, oh it's, an, it's an elite class. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I just wanted to get that in there cause I like to have some fun. So here's what we're going to do today. We let's start off with, um, we got Justin here, obviously CSU stuff. Um, Coachy, last time we left you guys for the podcast portion, we've written a little bit here and there. We didn't do a ton on the actual changing of coaches at the moment. We've been focusing on, hey, who's going to be the next coach? Because that plays well online. So we left off last time, Eli, where Stacy was out. They had Coach Barnes in there. I call him the enabler, as other people do. He was coached about a week. Now we have the third guy. So, Justin, who's the third coach that's taken over? I guess people actually do like him. Yeah, it's uh, Jace Hurl, who is a 30-year-old assistant basketball coach. Uh, that was his first game coaching as a head coach at the Division One level. Uh, he's, a, he's a really popular guy, a guy who the players really love. They have a good relationship with him. He's one of the guys who I think they were kind of able to go to for comfort um, in times when you know the other guys were more in your face and screaming. So he, he's just a total player's coach is, is kind of his perception around town. And, cor- and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I, I've conversed with uh, with Jace a few times over the years. Um, and I, I think he, his rise to be in this position, obviously with what's transpired the last couple of weeks is not anything that was expected. But I want to say just a few years ago, he was coaching high school ball in Kansas. I, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I feel like he's uh, risen pretty quickly. No, yeah, that's kind of been his MO throughout his career. He's a guy who seemingly every job he has received, he was probably underqualified for at the time, but he's thrived in it. Um, he, I, I know he coached high school ball out in Kansas. He's a Goodland, Kansas native. He also was the first ever head coach at um, Northwest Kansas Technical College, which is a junior college out in Goodland where uh, Gian Clavel actually attended before coming to CSU. So he was Gian Clavel's head coach out there. And then mm-hmm. after three years at Northwest, he went to South Plains, which is a very prominent junior college program out in Texas, where he was an assistant coach for a few years. Coach Che Bob, current CSU basketball forward. Uh, so he's, he's a guy who had a lot of CSU connections before he got here. But his, his rise throughout basketball is definitely impressive. All right, so we got him with the coach. So one, I just kind of have to joke, and they beat San Jose State over the weekend, which they should have done. But with all the with the boycott practice, let's get back to the Stacey thing a little bit. I want to get an introduction on him. Um, so, like I said, where we left off, Stacey was uh, administrative leave, and now so it's Barnes because of – and I mentioned Eli before because I – people come after us on Twitter and stuff like, well, he's a coach. So all them yell at players and stuff. Well, we've seen – what was it Matt Stevens sent out the four-page report from was it 2014 right yeah from the 2014 investigation saying a lot of stuff like not just yelling or swearing but throwing stuff in players directions or in generalities kicking i think kicking basketball is probably but here's the thing like i've been in that situation where there's a difference and i think it's pretty clear and simple there's a difference between yelling and even swearing at people and getting like yelling hard in a general direction or even somebody specifically to a degree but this seems more like what I, I think it's simple put, just intimidating players, like get in their face. I don't know exactly unless you read what's there, but like yelling at a guy, maybe even grabbing a guy, but it's different than there's a group of 15 guys you're yelling at general. I've been there. There's a difference between that and then talking to somebody at halftime and doing something egregious, what he's been accused of doing. So he's that, that, that assume that that's what's been going on. He, and now it's just, um, what's up with the waiting game? Because that was it late. Was it at the time it's screwy, but He's expect, basically expected to be fired. That was mentioned last week, correct? Or is, uh, leading up to the the San Jose State game? Or is that even the week prior? 
It's just fuzzy. Uh, it, that's kind of come out in the last week that okay. CSU has – that came out through Matt Stevens in the Denver mm-hmm. Post. He reported that Colorado State is expected to move on from Larry Stacey and that it was basically just a deliberation process and finalizing the details. Um, CSU has since come out and said that they have not come to a final conclusion on the status of Larry Stacey. That's what they told the public that's also what they told the players in yesterday's shoot around um so it's it's a complex deal eustacey isn't even in town at the moment he's out in california which is for people that are familiar mm-hmm. with eustacey a common trend of his he's one of his biggest criticisms in his tenure at csu is that he spends way more time in california than he ever has in colorado um so it's it kind of seems like Eustacey's kind of given one last jab at CSU. Like he knows he has the opportunity to come in with his representation and meet with the CSU representatives. And until that happens, CSU can't do a whole lot. Is, is it clear that Eustacey still wants to be in Fort Collins necessarily? I know that might sound like a silly question, but with what's been going on the last few years, I, I think that's at least worth asking. Yeah, it's, I mean, Throughout, even throughout this season, he said that he wants to finish his career at CSU. He has three years left on his contract. Um, so the perception, at least, has been that he wants to be at CSU. Now, does he still want to be at CSU through all this? That's tough to say. We haven't had a chance to talk to him in a couple weeks now since he coached against Wyoming on, I believe, January 31st. And all he said was that he couldn't comment on any of it, but... Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Would he even want to come back? I don't know. I think at this point it's more about satisfying, you know, personal grievances against CSU and the administration for putting him through this. So what's what's the delay in this? Because he had a zero tolerance policy put in, was it by former AD? Um, the bit, oh shoot, there's too many. By names. Jack Graham. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think of Parker, but no, not Jack Graham. He had a zero tolerance tolerance issue if this come up again. So how is he not fired on the spot? Is it because there's a new AD? There's new people? That's been the biggest debate around town is if if the zero tolerance policy was still in effect, which as far as we are aware of, it should have been, um, he you know directly violated that. So what's the hangup? The only question that some of us have had, I suppose, is maybe it didn't carry over to the new administration and they didn't announce that publicly. Um, we don't know, but as far as, as far as we know at this time, the zero tolerance policy never went away. So the university should have cause. Well, also that's the thing I'm wondering too, because it's in his contract. Is it, I believe that Eli sent to me, correct? Something is contract about this. Is that correct? I, I, yeah, I believe so. There's some of this contract. Yeah. There's, there are very clear stipulations laid out so, about so what can and can't do. That's why I'm wondering what's the hold up because here's two reasons why it doesn't make sense. You have a new a newish AD who didn't hire you, Stacey. I don't know, like, because you typically, if you're the AD, like when I talk, chatted with a guy about the Mexico stuff, they have a new AD as well. Your big move or big hire is always football, basketball coach. So maybe he likes you, Stacey, a lot. I'm not entirely sure if there's a relationship between the two. Maybe it's fine or was fine. I don't know at the moment, obviously. But so there's that. I want to get my own guy in there. Second, Stacey's going to drag us out because he knows he, if he gets fired, he's not getting any money. And so why can't what I don't reason know why there is a holdup even if it's a zero tolerance isn't in place there's something his contract saying he won't get paid if he gets fired for reasons A B and C which seems like he's done all whatever those are and so that they're on the hook for, and, and plus he make he wants to stick around he makes just about a million dollars per year which is pretty good for being at CSU in the Mountain West for a head basketball coach and so I don't it just doesn't make sense why they're sticking with them whereas they know they can get out without losing any money. They, they've made money in the football stadium, so there's extra money coming in, and it's, and they're going to have that money to use on a new coach where with the extra football money they're getting from the stadium, that'll help every sport. Getting rid of the almost $3 million they had to OU Stacey, they could hire, honestly, probably a decent coach, just over a million bucks, and not have to unless hire somebody unknown or assistant rising up through the ranks or something. It just seems... Uh, seems odd why it's not done now when they basically any outcome I see, they're not going to have to lose any money. The biggest, the biggest holdup that I, that I perceive at this point would be maybe that 
it has to do with how CSU's handled the situation over the last couple of years. Because from what I've gathered, what the incident or the incidents that sparked this climate assessment, as what that's what Joe Parker keeps referring to it as, which I'm you might as well just call it a full on investigation at this point. We're nearly two weeks in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the thing is, is it's it's not necessarily any different than how he's acted. So I think the greatest question is that you, Stacey, and his representatives are going to come at CSU with is, why well, I, I haven't been doing anything different this season than I have the last multiple seasons. So now all of a sudden when we're losing games, um, you have an issue with the way I'm coaching. Um, I know that Frank is president. Tony Frank at CSU is probably hesitant as far as a lawsuit goes. Why? I'm not sure. It seems pretty obvious yeah. as you've laid out. Um, but that seems to be the greatest cause because even the former athletic director, Jack Graham, recommended that Eustacey be fired. Mm-hmm. Jack Graham ultimately was the one who got fired, I believe, like six or seven months later. He was fired for a variety of reasons, but I imagine his relationship with Eustacey and how the future was supposed to play out was a factor in that. Let me ask you real quick. Is, oh, go ahead, Eli. Oh, Sorry. Okay. Uh, one thing I was going to ask, because the transition from Eustacey to Barnes as the interim head coach is fairly fairly quick, and then Barnes was quickly replaced by Jace Hurl, as as we mentioned earlier. Do you know why there is that transition or why the university decided to uh, put Barnes in place and then remove him so fast? Well, the university at this point has not officially commented on why Steve Barnes was also placed on administrative leave. Uh, Jace Hurl wasn't allowed to comment on it post-game, which made sense. Neither were the players. Uh, but Barnes is, you know, Barnes's behavior is kind of well documented. He's a guy who's been with you, Stacy, for 26 years, I believe. He's coached under you, Stacy, every single one of his head coaching positions consecutively now for 16 years between Iowa State, Southern Mississippi, and Colorado State. Um, he's a guy who, if you read some of my articles, is known for or what sources say that he is known for being much more vocal in practice, the guy who screams at players. Uh, so I think at the end of the day, the university feels that he is also tied to you, Stacy. But that raises another question is if he's, you know, tied to you, Stacy, which it appears he is, why was he named interim coach yeah. in the first place? Right, right, exactly. That's what I was wondering when the the news broke that Barnes would be would be taken over for you station because just from the ladder of how the coaching staff is set up it would make sense but i did see those reports that you were referring to that the two have very very similar personalities so it seemed like a maybe a lateral move in terms of of conduct or policy that was going on there no yeah definitely i mean when after barnes's first game which was a loss to nevada uh we asked him you know what makes you different than you, Stacey. He refused to comment on anything about being an enabler <laughs> wow. of violence and all all that, um, or not violence. That's um, not a hard but, question to answer either. Like I know, it, not, it really not answering but... means like, well, I'm not different. He could have said, even though you probably most people kind of already knew what he's about. He could have said a million different things, a very simple answer, and been fine. But by not answering, that just answers itself. Yeah, silence speaks volumes sometimes. That's um, right. All right, let me but, ask you, one thing I did, I, it's probably the first question we should have asked because wh- why did, you said it came about losing, you station, well, you're coming after, coming after me now because I'm losing games. What, I, again, the timeline's a lot of stuff here. I probably should have looked beforehand, but what's, what, what happened this time? Like, was there a specific instance to say why you station's placed on leave? Was there something new that came out or just, hey, this is happening again and somebody said something? Well, the, Reports kind of contradict oh, on what this what the specific incident was that sparked the climate assessment. But I mean, considering that there were multiple events that could have sparked it, and these are events that m- multiple trusted reporters have confirmed happened, um, it, it's safe to say it could have been a, a multitude of events. But ones that are have been brought up publicly um, when CSU hosted Air Force, I guess it would have been about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago. Uh, the Rams lost to Air Force. It was the first time that the current Air Force head coach, Dave Polopovich, I can't pronounce his last name ever. Uh, it was his first career victory over CSU. Mm-hmm. But as that game was uh, as that game was ending, 
Eustacey just laid into Nico Carvacho um, for minutes. Um, and so much so that Carvacho actually kind of teared up on the sidelines. Um, and a booster of the program who was a couple rows back stood up and kind of yelled at Eustacey and told him like to back off and to leave him alone and all this, which, I mean, you never see that kind of stuff happen on the college basketball sideline with one of an, an important booster standing up and yelling at the head coach because of the way he's treating a player. Um, the other incident that, that I've been told about occurred behind closed doors during a film review session where Eustacey laid into Lorenzo Jenkins, who has essentially been replaced by Logan Ryan in the rotation. He's not get, he's averaging like six minutes a game at this point, I believe. Um, and Eustacey laid into him and told him, you know, you're not doing any of the things that we want you to do, along with, I'm sure, a variety of explicitives. <laughs> and uh, if he couldn't even beat out a freshman, that maybe he should just leave. And then uh, Jenkins' parents called Parker, and the climate assessment was announced a few days after that. Wow, so so it kind of does seem like there was a, a bit of a stream of events that, that led to it. I was going to ask the same question that, that Jeremy asked, but one other thing that I noticed was, uh, I don't remember who reported it, it might have been you, um, but I did see that after the investigation reports in 2014 um, of, of Eustachie's conduct, I did see that at least some sources believe that Eustachie had kind of turned it around in a sense. He he brought a bit more of a positive attitude and maybe less um, verbal harassment to his players after that initial investigation. Have you heard anything on that, or, or does that seem to be a pretty uh, does does that seem to be a consensus around the sources that Eustachie did improve his conduct at one point? Uh, from what I've gathered, is that Eustachie since that you know initial investigation in 2014 has become less vocal in practice so i think he's become less of a yeller in practice um but that's where questionably where steve barnes role comes in his assistant who's paid four hundred thousand dollars a year um so like basically from what i've been told from sources He's mellowed out a little bit in practice because they've had people observing him. Oh, because they have open practices. That's why they're starting to. Yeah. That's one of the the things I was reading up. It's like them and one other school allows like 10 minutes of practice time to be viewed. I have covered CSU basketball for three years, and I've attended one practice where I've actually been able to see stuff happen on the court. Is that because of what's (laughs) available to you or when you could be there? No, that's because that's their all practices are closed to the media. Oh, all oh, okay. I thought I read somewhere. Maybe that was the Colorado thing because there was a something. I think the Denver Post mentioned CU, CSU, and a few other schools. I guess I think CU was like you could watch fifteen minutes because I've I've covered like BYU. I could go to any practice I want, the entirety of the practice, tweet, do whatever I want. I can't sit close. I'm up about what forty thirty seats. Marriott Center's huge, but basically forty rows up, essentially where you can still see okay, but not super close. You can. That's, that's, I know that's the rarity, but no availability. It's like, do they even let you like talk afterwards, or is it just nobody can show up at all? Yeah, we are um, on certain days. If you facilitate it through their PR people, you're allowed to have availability with players that they can approve or deny after practice. So okay. you can you can talk to them for quotes. But... So, but it's not like there's like when I was doing stuff like Monday, Wednesday were days you could talk to players, but you don't see practice. Not like that. You still have the schedule specifically to meet. For the most part, I think pretty regularly this Monday on Mondays, we were allowed to talk to players That's after right. practice every now and then based on travel or something, they would change it up. Okay. They're pretty accommodating as far as interviews go. I don't, I don't want to make it seem like they don't give us any access, yeah. but as far as actually watching practice and or even being around it that's not allowed at all right here i, I know some schools are different when they say close sometimes you can't view anything or you can't even talk no about yeah it's, so. it's good to clarify yeah, it's, it. it's, it's just different from sport to sport even so. yeah because i've the various schools and you can, yeah, you can see the whole thing you can watch 10 minutes you can watch but you can't tweet we can talk on these days or okay yeah because it's when people see closed practices even myself who's done this i'm like well how closed are they can you even talk to people after even though you see nothing so but let's uh kind of move forward a little bit because, you, okay, Eustachie's gone, right? Can we say that with certainty? Or do we have to say, well, not quite? I mean, officially, no. nothing is <laughs> official. So Sorry. I don't want to put that out there. But okay. 
I, how have you ever seen a coach survive two separate investigations from their same school? Probably did, not. Did Patino? <laughs> Patino had hmm. one. He kind of survived. Yeah, Patino is the close. But I mean, do you want to be? If you're in Rick Patino comparison, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I see where you're headed with this. Well, my point is, well, here's a very interesting point. I talked with Eli about this because I went to University of Utah. I was here at the tail end of Rick Majerus is before I went to like left for USC for a half second. And Ooh. I made a joke about seeing him in the pool swimming, which is not a pretty sight. But <laughs> he would do like there the reason I brought this up, there's an article to say if you, if you maybe it's something parallels to this about the Final Four team, it's over to Deseret News. But like Rick Majerus, I don't recall I wasn't in town living or I didn't, I didn't even live in the state growing up. I was down in Texas and Houston, but when they get the Final Four, it's like, oh, who's this team? But he would do – I don't know if he's under, under investigation, but he was known for being pretty nasty and doing things like – a lot of the players, if you're in Utah, they're probably – University of Utah or BYU, like the the faith in town, the LDS faith. A lot of players at Utah, not as many as BYU, were of the faith. And so he would not make light. Like, if you can believe in me running this – how can you believe in this and you can't see – the religion aspect, but you but you can't but you can't believe my play, which is drawn on the board, seen right here, like religious stuff. You probably oh, shouldn't wow. be saying yeah. like stuff like that. That's, like there's, yeah. if you look up quotes, and there's, I haven't read through this. I just saw, but I don't know if he has ever investigated. But there's times where it got pretty nasty about him doing things, allegedly doing things. And also look at Bobby Knight. It took he got thrown out eventually, even though he whatever he's was it the uh, guy with the hand on the neck or whatever. But I, yeah, I was, locking people it, in closets or whatever. Or Mike Leach, yeah, <laughs> whatever that was the concussion thing. But here's my point: like, not not to say it's any better or not, but when you're going to a Final Four, or going to national title games, or making Elite Eight runs, getting guys drafted number one overall, you probably have some more leeway if you're not really following the rules or being a super nice guy. Yes, you say she's been a pretty good coach, but he's not like this amazing coach, like. I've reading through stuff. Probably you wrote other people. Wrote. He's not like drawn up the plays. He's not X and O's guys. He just seems like a, a yeller out there trying to be a, some sort of motivator. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, Larry Eustace's philosophy is, is very simple. They don't run any set offensive plays. They don't have a set <laughs> offense. They play aggressive man to man defense and attack the glass for rebounds. He believes if you do that, that it creates enough opportunities for your team in the transition offensively that you don't need to focus on it so his entire belief system is aggressive defense play rebounds and score enough if you hold them to a certain amount of points it doesn't matter how few points you score offensively one other thing that i was going to mention going back to um your take there jeremy is that when when we talk about and this isn't to like argue with your point because it's definitely a valid point but when we talk about how harassment or, or just scandals in general are involved in 2018. And I mentioned this on a previous podcast. It's handled way differently now than it would have been, I mean, as recent as five years ago because we just see that harassment is handled differently, uh, player communication and conduct is handled differently. It's far more strict now because a lot of these universities just can't afford a blemish on their uh, on their program, especially just at the times that we are right now with how conduct is handled. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. This is, even if even if CSU was a, a dominant program, say they were Nevada status right now, I'm not sure that he would be able to get away with the same types of things that he's allegedly been getting away with for the vast majority of his career. Here's one thing. I'm, I'm sorry. When you guys are going through this, I wanted to bring up some more stuff about the, the, the Utah thing, which I think it's still relatable because what he did. Because, yeah, Utah, they, I guess they had some last night when they beat Cal, some Final Four reunion of that team in 98. So we read through a couple of things, like guys like Michael Doliak spent a lot of years in the NBA, like Keith Van Horn, or mm-hmm. not Van Horn, but, uh, well, I don't remember if he's on the title team. But, here, like, Britton Johnson was player of the year, very good. Here's a couple of things they said, like, what do you, he's like, would I do it again? Yeah, would my kid? I don't know. I may not have my kid play with him. Another quote, we felt uncomfortable with him at times. That's why he never flew with us, he never ate with us, but when he was on the court, he he completed us referring to Rick Majerus. How does your coach not fly with you? You know what I mean? That's weird. And then this one really quick, like we'll move on or sort of, but he goes, this is uh, Brenton Johnson again. There was some bad stuff. No getting around it. He was a hard dude to play for. Very demonstrative. Very, very, excuse me, verbally abusive at times. That was kind of his process of trying to get us to play hard to get the most out of us. He's like, but I used to tell a lot more of those stories than I do now. Now it's, yeah, it was fun going to the final four. Here's the thing. 
Like it's probably not a good thing, but again, I can tell. Like I've done, I've been part of this type of stuff. You can be yelling and that type of doing those type of behaviors, but you can't like, in my opinion, get in a guy's face and just do it directly to them all the time, every single time. I know Majerus did stuff where he's probably abusive, probably shouldn't have got away, gotten away with it. But again, that was twenty years ago, and look what comes out now because of just Facebook and Twitter. And so, like, he probably stuck around longer because he. Went to the national title game from Utah. Who does that besides like Gonzaga or Butler? You know what I mean? Villanova. Mm-hmm. There's not many teams that do it. So, had this been around now and they've done that done as well, who knows if he? I guarantee Rick Majerus would have been gone if he had like coaching ten years later. Just because, so I just felt like that's kind of a similar thing where we can compare Stacy, where he's winning extremely well, but nothing really got onto him with Rick Majerus. But Stacy, like he's he's a no. The funny thing on Twitter. Sorry, I tried to hijack this, but there's chatting with our favorite guy who backs you Stacey no matter what. I don't know why this female Denver Porsche reporter, because somebody put in there, um, he's not even a top 100 coaching wins of all time, which he Stacey is. I don't know why this, whatever whatever some Denver affiliate TV, she just dropped in a tweet putting the top most wins ever for coaches. He's 56, but what's the point of backing up a guy who's a scumbag? <laughs> I thought that was kind of weird. but Yeah, that's... I don't know. I the thing about you, Stacey, <laughs> is like, yes, he's one of the winningest coaches of all time, but that's it's it's such a complex thing when you look at you, Stacey, and how he's manipulated scheduling to basically guarantee every program he's been at 20 wins um, and snag those bonuses. But mm-hmm. the other thing about him, too, is he's basically been writing off his performance with Iowa State, you know, the two really yeah. good years with Marcus Pfizer. Mm-hmm. That's basically been the basis for defending him for nearly two decades now. He came to CSU. He had one tournament appearance, and it was his first year here with a group of players that didn't play his style. They tried to play his style, and they had a couple of really bad non-conference losses. They basically turned it over and was like, whatever, do your thing. There were a bunch of fifth-year seniors on that team, a really good program. They beat Missouri in the tournament that year. Um, and uh, that was largely due to the assistant coach, Nico Medved, being present, who's now the head coach at Drake University. Um, One of our uh, candidates for the CSU head coaching vacancy. He is probably, as far as established coaches, he's probably the most popular in Fort Collins just because he's a former CSU guy. I think you could probably get him for a reasonable salary, basically just double his salary right now, get him close to a million dollars, $750,000, $800,000 a year. They have the money to do so. You know what I mean? Gary Stacy, that's nine fifty. They could save a few bucks too and still not underpay him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are a lot. There are a lot of really young and prominent coaches that you could bring in for a, a fraction of what you're paying the current staff. All right, let's get to that stuff. Me, Eli, he did a list. I'll let you go for Eli because I've been hogging this a bit. But we have about a ten candidates. Like, who would you like consider for the list? Like, we have Nico Medvey, Randy Ray, Weber State, who I'm familiar with, like Craig Smith. Like, who are some guys you would look at? And say, hey, they or whoever could be the next coach. As far as some guys that I've heard tossed around that fans would like to see, uh, one another former assistant, Ross Hodge, who's currently the associate head coach at North Texas University. He left, uh, actually, he left CSU, took significantly less money to go to Arkansas State a couple years ago to get away from you, Stacey. Hmm. Um, obviously, people like to throw Becky Hammond's name out there while – I think Becky Hammond is phenomenal. I think the world of her, I think this job is below her at this point. Um, I think she'll have an NBA gig within, you know, three to four years. What type? I'm not sure. She Let me ask you about her that. because me, me and Eli discussed this last time about it because she had the GM interview with the Bucks. Are you looking like NBA head coach or like front office NBA job for me the NBA future? Either or, I think I think she's very respected from what I've heard, and I mean when you have Greg Popovich backing you up, yeah. um, it, it's obviously going to go a long way. I'm not saying it's impossible mm-hmm. that she would she would go and coach at the college level um, or even CSU, but Becky's not exactly a person who's like widely associated as being a rah rah CSU type. Like she's not necessarily 
like I'm not saying she's not attached to the university, but she's not very public about it at least. Um, so I don't. So I don't why, know do, why does that matter? Like a dream. Why, no, seriously, why does that matter though? Because how many other coaches or here's the thing too. Oh, I don't. I don't think okay. it matters. I just think that fans like to think like, oh, she's a CSU alum, so she would obviously love the job, or she obviously is still like crazy about CSU. Um, Oh, gotcha. Because, like, Nico Medved, why would he... That's not necessarily the case. Why would Coach Medved do that right now? He's a Drake. You know what I mean? So it's like, how would that work out if you're a college coach somewhere? It's my reason why she could. The one knock, obviously, she's never coached college, which is quite different. And it's stupid because she's a female, which shouldn't make any difference too much, in my opinion, at all, really. And, but the only I guess if she wants to be an NBA head coach one day, which she probably could be, or I think she could be, coaching, like, she's ever, to be a head coach somewhere else might be a way to get back to the NBA, but that's a weird step too to go. Just, but a lot of NBA assistant coaches go to college. So that's my thinking where if she wants to be NBA head coach, they may want to say, hey, go prove it somewhere else and then come back. That's my thinking why there could be a shot for her to do that if she wants to be a coach because people are weird about a female coach in an all-male team. So that's why she might have to do that to, once again, prove herself despite her already being quite proven. Yeah, I mean, that's it. it, it could definitely happen. And as a as a reporter covering CSU, nothing would excite me more than Becky Hammond being named head coach at CSU, just because it, I mean, obviously that's a fantastic storyline. Um, yeah. Positive. But just in my limited experience around her, you know, she's very, a very positive person to be around great personality. So I think it would be from a media standpoint, I think it would be fantastic, but do, how do realistic. You think that oh, knows. sorry. Go ahead, Justin. No, you're good. I'm, I'm, I'm said everything i was gonna say okay uh if well i mean it's almost a foregone conclusion now that csu will be hiring a new head coach do you think that the current assistant coaching staff right now would stick along if they were to hire a new head coach or do you think they just clean house it's tough to say as far as what the do you mean from csu's perspective or would the assistants want to stay I mean, I guess either way you want to go with it, because I I discussed with some other people that maybe the CSU assistants wouldn't want to stick around, or maybe they'd just be curious who the head coaching uh, hire would be, or maybe there is a possibility that one of the assistants could interview for the head coaching job. But um, now now with Barnes probably leaving as well, I think that might be out of uh, out of the equation. Yeah, as far as the assistants not on leave, um, Jace Hurl would be the main guy, obviously. He's a he's a fantastic coach, very popular. The odds of him landing the job probably not very high. Like you said, Bar- if anything, Barnes just because of his tenure, but his his past behavior is well documented as well. Um, I I don't foresee a lot of the staff being around next season, just because of the way this works. The new, I imagine the new head coach, whoever that ends up being, is going to want to hire his own staff of guys. Now he may decide that he wants some of these guys to stay around to, you know, try and keep some of the other players from leaving. You got JD Page who will graduate. He still has a year of eligibility left, so he could be potentially move on as a grad transfer. Keeping a guy like Hurl, Willie Glover, Pierce Hornung, these assistants, maybe that's the difference in getting guys like him to stay. It's tough to say. Let me ask you this then, because there's players that are supporting him and not so. Also, we know Eustachie's had very few guys who came from freshmen to graduate within the program. Because that says a lot, too. We mean Eli discussed that a lot last year with very, I think, the tournament stuff or roster construction or something. Why, and I know it's be total speculation, so you could say I don't know, but why are some players saying he's a great coach and some, even within the program, saying, or I think we're, who's that's who's saying he's not a good coach or abusive or just getting after guys way too hard? Why is it? Is, I, my theory is because. It's like when you hear with the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones years ago, or not Jerry Jones, but Jimmy Johnson, head coach. Yeah, I'll treat Troy Aikman different than number 50 guy on the bench. If Aikman sleeps during the quarterback meeting, I don't care. If quarterback number four does, I'll suspend, you know what I mean, give him punishment because mm-hmm. he doesn't play. Is it something like that because he's a good player nothing gets done toward them? Why they think he's a good coach? I, that, I mean, that that could be part of it. Um it's you hear different things from from different people. Obviously, there are a few guys I've talked to, you know, more than a fair share of players that support Eustacey for various reasons. Generally, I'd say it's a very specific type of personality and player that is able to to play for Eustacey and thrive. 
Um, the guys that are just very competitive, hardwired, they can kind of tune out mm-hmm. um, what he's saying and, you know, just use the fact that he's trying to pump them up and that, you know, that works for them. Guys like Gian Clavel have very publicly defended him and he's said, I, I wouldn't want to play for a soft coach. While I think that term is kind of unfair, saying soft or mm-hmm. you know not soft, um, it's it's tough it, to say. Why well, it takes lots of mo- it, motivation is different from each people. Like if that if you're fine with that, that's probably okay. But it's I don't know. It's just a, I, I in my opinion is probably just the personal stuff, like getting in somebody's face in front of everybody. It's like it happens to everybody probably in your life at some point. Somebody get gets after you in front of a bunch of people, but. I don't know. We've beat this a lot, but it's probably more than just that. That's my my that, thinking. That's that is, that is an interesting thing to me too, because I'm I'm curious just with all different sorts of coaches across the country what their styles are, because you have a lot of coaches that are laid back and some that are uh, I guess get in your face, like maybe Larry Stacey or Frank Martin always comes to mind in that conversation. But I think most of these players, when they do sign their letter of intent, they do know the coaching staff, they do know Larry Eustace and his personality, so. It is uh, the the trend that CSU is setting right now with so many guys coming in as JUCOs and then leaving as transfers um, is, is definitely peculiar for this university. So I'll be curious to see which players stick around because, like as Justin said, I know Prentice Nixon has been very vocal about his support of Larry Eustace. Um, and you, you, ha- you have had players in the past, especially Jean Clavel, who um, is very fond of Eustace. So if... Like the foregone conclusion, as I said again, Eustachie's probably gone, but it will be interesting to see which players stick around because, as we've seen with other programs within the Mountain West or just mid-majors in general, once they do move on from an investigation or a firing, that usually means at least a handful of the players will transfer out of the university, but maybe a fresh face is what the university does need after all. Yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see. There, there are a couple of talented pieces guys on this team, despite you know how poor they've played this year. You know, JD Page is a guy whose shooting percentage is really poor, but he's kind of a lockdown defender, so he could you know decide to move on. Maybe Nico Carvacho. Uh, Carvacho is a guy who, if he was willing to sit out, um, I'm sure would have plenty of large suitors. Um, but he could, depending on how the investigation goes. The NCAA could determine that players are allowed to transfer without penalty. Um, and if that happens, then who knows how things will go down. Yeah, that, yeah that's a really good point. That is worth noting with the potential rule changes of, of players being able to transfer with the head coaching firing, which is something that I've been a proponent of for a long time because you can't really blame the, the players for their head coach being fired. But maybe that comes into play in this situation. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know that uh, Jordan Brangers, who did commit – to the university, I believe a couple months ago, who also committed to Western Kentucky and Texas Tech. He just recently decommitted. Um, so that's already one loss for the CSU program that was looking to rebuild next year and, and have, I would say, probably a top-half roster in terms of talent in the Mountain West. Yeah, that was a – Brangers was a big loss. He's a guy who CSU, I mean, because of NCAA rules, they weren't necessarily allowed to specifically comment on him at t- for you know the better half of the last year until he signed his NLI um but he he's a guy who was highly highly regarded and a guy who they expected to come in and immediately make an impact they talked about it for months um they had kind of you know despite how this season has going I think everybody expected it to be kind of a rebuilding year for CSU not necessarily this poor obviously uh but they you stay see throughout the season that referred to it as a two-season season, saying that, like, going into next year because they would be so dangerous based on how their roster was shaping out. All right, let's move on. Let's. Uh, I think we exhausted this stuff, 40 minutes in this issue, yeah. which is fine. Hey, people, this is good stuff. Like, I spent an hour earlier talking about Lobo's um, issues with Bob Davey this morning. So let's um, keep you on for a few more minutes since we're not getting to Ram- – or, yeah, the Rams are off until Saturday with the uh, bye week. Um, one la- Well, actually, before we get to – over under stuff for for tournament stuff. Do you think they'll be uh Eustace be the coach next Saturday beyond the program payroll? Past Saturday? Like um, I would be surprised. Before I, their I next game. Like cuz for their next game Saturday versus Fresno, correct? Yeah, I think a decision one way or another will be announced before CSU takes the court again. But do you think he'll be the coach? 
I would be surprised. Okay. I I, I knew you were waffling <laughs> there. I wanted something more specific <laughs> from you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So tournament, you ready, Eli? Tournament stuff for a minute here. As we remember, get Justin to Vegas. That's the uh, send Justin to Vegas over at GoFundMe. So that's the hashtag for today's podcast. Perfect. And the link. Uh, let's refresh. Let's hopefully come on. Uh, we're not live, so nobody know yet. Sorry, that's <laughs> making a joke, dumb joke. Um, so tournament. I'm not just training specific. So if you're down there, um, covering the tournament, which hopefully that's the case, or even covering from afar, this league has been the past week has been two weeks have been crazy. Nevada loses once they're ranked again. Boise loses. New Mexico, who is somehow in the mix at three, drops down. Like, what's your kind of a big picture take of the league once since we have a couple weeks left before? everybody convenes to Las Vegas. You know, my impression of the league as a whole right now is that there's not necessarily one team that I would feel comfortable, you know, putting any real faith behind at this moment. There, there are a lot of talented teams. You've seen Boise state play really well at times. Nevada play really well at times. New Mexico play really well at times. Fresno state even, but as we've seen, it's just kind of a league where anybody can be anybody and in a in a one game elimination format, uh, this this tournament could be as chaotic as it's been in years. So Eli, I think with yeah, yeah I think with, with I, I think it's still a bit top heavy with Nevada, Boise State, and UNLV. I think, yeah, have, I think yeah. you have those five teams, the UNLV, and then I would throw mm. Fresno State in there despite their record. I, I think they're a team who can catch fire. They get really good outside shooters, but. Um, I, I'd agree with that. There, it's there's definitely favorites. Um, I just I'm I'm not sure it's like last year when you went into it last year. It was you know Nevada's going to the championship game and whoever else gets there, good luck. It doesn't yeah, exactly. feel like yeah, exactly. a year like that to me. And and even Nevada though they've received so much publicity this season and, and rightfully so they're one of the nation's best teams. But they've they have uh, their own set of issues that they have. Uh, Caleb Martin who's been shaken up. He was supposed to miss at least a month and he returned after one game. So I have no idea what went on there. Um, he, he returned in the San Diego state blowout on Saturday, but the short rotation that still is something that I worry about if I'm a Nevada fan, because something could happen to Caleb Martin. He could re-aggravate um, his, his foot issues or someone goes down or there's foul trouble. Nevada is one bad game or a bad day away from this getting really, really interesting. And, Though they do appear in the bracket right now as probably a top eight, top nine seed. If they lose one of these games to maybe CSU or San Jose State, then that could put them right in the position where they, they'll, they'll have to be playing for their lives down in Vegas, and that's probably not something that we had come to expect in November and December. Also, yeah, if, real quick, real Nevada quick, Nevada's bench, that's a problem. They have like two players off the bench. Right, and they're already throwing in walk-ons and guys from the football team. So They're a football uh, team, they had a guy from the football team. Tight end, right? On. Isn't that who it is, Eli? I think. Yeah, I I believe so. I'm blanking on the name. They also brought back um, Cunningham, who was on the team, I believe, the year before. But it's just such a short roster. And after you dismiss Darian Williams, who was supposed to be an impact player this year as a St. John's transfer, um, you have a team that ranks in the bottom 20 in bench minute percentage and. Um, though their starting five is about as good as they come in the country. Well, I mean, once you go to the bench or you have guys in foul trouble, things get really, really questionable. Yeah, it's it's just a long stretch down the next, you know, these next couple weeks leading in and then leading into the tournament. You have CSU is kind of fortunate because they have a bye right now, but they haven't had one all season. Um, you, you know, these guys, they just log a lot of minutes. So it's a team like Nevada with no depth. You know, some of these other teams could definitely challenge them. So let me let me get to this for you here, Justin. If you had to pick one player like this, because like each team has like a player, Deshaun Taylor, Kobe McEwen, Matt McEwen, Brandon McCoy. Like mm-hmm. what player? Like if you're or even Hayden Dalton or Justin James, Wyoming. If you're gonna pick a team, like I know that's not set, but like non favorites, like what one player or duo could like? Hey, I could see this team making a run. Like who would you be most confident? I honestly might think Wyoming because if James and Dalton play as what where they could possibly score fifty or sixty points between the two. They could probably probably and have proven to beat anybody. But then again, they could both go off for like eighteen in the game also. Yeah, I think James and Dalton would probably be as far as the non, you know, favorites mm-hmm. out of the top four or five there, I think that would probably be your best answer. Those two I mean, Wyoming can shoot with anyone in the conference. Um, as we've seen all year. They're a team that when they play to their 
best ability. They can hang with anyone. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably go with those two. I, the less I, I keep wanting to go back to Boise State. I think Boise State somehow is going to end up winning this when it's all said and done. Um, so that's your pick right now? You'd go Boise? Yeah, I just I like the way they play as a team. I, they've been the most consistent, in my opinion. I know they've had some bad losses, but as far as explosive ability and just depth and shooters all around the floor, I think Boise's a team that is the most dangerous at the moment. All right, well, yeah, I, I think I think Boise State's the most complete team. Uh, Nevada's probably the most talented and, and maybe the most trendiest, and, and they are the, the best team in the league to this point. But I, I have a feeling Fresno State's going to make things interesting, though. When their front court is playing their A game, which they have the last few weeks, and you pair that with some nice shooters, that's going to be a really tough out. Um, I became but, a believer yeah. in Fresno State actually last year at the Mountain West Basketball Tournament. They were kind of my sleeper pick going into this year just because they got uh, Deshaun Taylor and I'm drawing a blank on the other, t- Jamal Taylor. Um, and they got some, they got really good size in the post. So they're a team that can, I think, kind of match up well with anybody that they face. So one last thing before we let you go here, is this conference a two-bid conference or one-bid? I think it depends on who wins the tournament. I think if Boise State wins the tournament, or you could potentially get Boise State and Nevada in as an at-large. Uh, but if, I, if I'm if i a better, I'd probably stick with a one-bid league at this point. I think possibly one, because just because Boise and Nevada play each other this week. Exactly. Had they already yeah. been done, had those two already been done, I would be more confident in two-bid, because winner's going to be in, loser's probably going to basically flip spots, because like bracket matrix... As of, I think, today, on Sunday, most people will have their brackets in. Nevada's sitting at an eight seed. Boise's one of the first four out. Uh, my thinking of if Boise wins, I'll probably flip. I would agree with that. What about you, Eli? One or two, one, two, one or two teams? I think I think the only scenario to get two bids is if Nevada loses in the in the Mountain West Tournament Final. I, I just don't think Boise State has a resume right now that um, can put them into the tournament. Uh, I had some people ask me yesterday – after the Boise State loss to Utah State, which which definitely doesn't help their case, um, they, they asked me whether or not Boise State has a chance to get in the tournament as an at-large bid. And even if they do beat Nevada, I just don't see it happening. With the win that they had earlier this season at Oregon, that was supposed to be their marquee win and something that would get them into the tournament. But the Ducks have, have been yeah, they've average at tournament. best. Yeah, so they're, they're not even a top-half Pac-12 team at this point, and that was supposed to be their um, win that would get them into the tournament. So... I think uh, as long as Nevada loses the Mountain West tournament and they don't suffer any losses, uh, any bad losses up to that point, I think that's the only recipe for two bids. But uh, I think I mean, you still can't, can't, out, can't count out Nevada for winning the Mountain West tournament. So there still is a chance that the Wolfpack win those games in Vegas and it ends up being a one-bid league again. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. They have to, Nevada wins out and then somebody else beats Nevada in the conference title game. So. Yeah, I think that that's probably the only conclusion, yeah. All right, so I think we're good, Justin. You spent much longer than we thought, 50-plus minutes. Me and Eli still have to uh, play our game with ESPN's BPI, which is crazy, later for a few minutes of games. But, uh, yes, thanks for hopping on with us. Check out um, your stuff. So on Twitter, you're Justin T. Michael. That's correct, right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah, Twitter at Justin T. Michael. Uh, You can find the the links to my previous work there, also the link to my GoFundMe if you want to contribute. I, have a, I understand that obviously everybody can't, but any little bit helps. I do appreciate it. All of my content for the last three years has been free. Uh, so if that's a selling point, I, I haven't done this before. Go for it. We, we try to do it. We're it's, it's okay so far. We're working on it. But, yeah, again, it's send to Justin. Send Justin to Vegas over at GoFundMe. Check that out. Check out his work. He's still doing CSU stuff and, I guess, prep stuff or wherever he can find work in the Colorado area writing about whatever right sports i guess mostly prep uh, high school yeah primarily primarily sports i cover colorado preps Uh, i do freelance work for various papers out here as well but the the vast majority of my work is definitely based around csu athletics exactly that's why i follow him so justin thanks for hopping on and hopefully we'll see you in a couple weeks okay yeah we'll hope to see you guys out there thanks man all right once again uh thanks justin michael for hopping on with us to chat csu Let's get to some games, Eli. We've already talked 50-plus minutes, so as normal, we don't break down every game, but as we mentioned, we started thinking of two things at once. As we mentioned with Justin, everybody's basically uh, beating each other up. What the heck happened with Utah State? I think we didn't mention this with Justin about the tournament stuff, but 
I think Utah State might have a shot to maybe get an extra win or so in Vegas just because of uh, Kobe McEwen and everything, 23 points. He beat Boise at home. Is that you think that's a possibility just because they beat him Boise State and almost Gonzaga, or is it just uh, Aggies? Oh, they're up and down because whatever reason here, here, there. I, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, Aggies have been so up and down. I, I We had them, I want to say, second or third in the first couple of weeks in our power rankings after their 3-1 and one start after they beat Fresno State and UNLV. So they have shown glimpses that they can contend. I want to say that the Boise State win is a bit of an anomaly because the Broncos have been playing pretty well and they're looking to contend for the Mountain West title. But when you have a backcourt of Kobe McCune and Sam Merrill, you'll have a shot no matter what. And those guys have, they've been inconsistent at times, but for the, the latter part of the months, they've been pretty good. McEwen uh, earned player of the week honors last week. So he's, he's been playing really well. So I would not be surprised if Utah state maybe won a game or two in the mountain West tournament, just because of how random this tournament is at times. And the fact that the Aggies will have two of probably the best three or four players on the court at all times. Yeah, because the win versus Boise State, like, it was pretty... Obviously, it's a good win for them. Hurts Boise overall. It did a little bit for seeding, but it's just like, there's like a mention with Justin, there's like one player on almost every team that could rise up and get a team farther than we think. And maybe, I don't know, Aggies just been up and down, and Boise they just had a, not their best night because their defense gave up 40-plus points in second half. They shot... They tried to chuck it too many times at three-point range, which is an issue at 30%, but... You know, it's also funny in this game. You know, people complain about fouls. There's only 24 mm-hmm. free throws attempted total in that game. Man, yeah, it, it was it was tight. But I think Boise State defense might need to step up a little bit. They had some lapses in the Utah State game. In their last three matchups, so they have they have been winning as of late. They only beat Air Force by six on the road, a game that they trailed for a decent portion. Um, when they hosted UNLV, they needed overtime to beat the Rebels by two. And then on the road... Um, though, it, though it is a very difficult place to play, they beat the Lobos by two as well. So they have been flirting with the flirting with disaster these last few weeks. And then um, <laughs> look who comes to town on, on Wednesday. You have the conference leader in Nevada for first place in the Mountain West. So let's talk about that game here. It's um, a rematch The two played in Reno a couple weeks ago. Nevada's been, sh- I'll say struggling a little bit. They lose to UNLV. What is your thought on that game? Just because it's, uh, it's like we mentioned moments ago, if Boise wins, it probably puts Boise State in the driver's seat to get that only bid for the conference uh, NCAs. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a huge matchup. And we've had this one circled on our calendars for at least a month or so because we expected these two teams to, to be where they're at. Um, I'll, I'll definitely be re-watching the Boise State-Nevada game from, from late January in which the Wolfpack won by six. I want to say the six-point lead was probably the second-largest lead of the whole night, so that was a closely contested matchup. Uh, if Nevada defends Hutchison better than they did when they beat uh, Boise State back in late January, I think they'll have uh, a chance to win on the road. But you know Boise State will sell this one out. We'll see if Leon Rice has any sort of gimmicks this week on, on what he plans to do to pack out the Taco Bell Arena. But I would not be surprised to see Boise State scratch out a win just with uh, with how Nevada's been trending lately. They, they've been a bit banged up, and their loss to UNLV is a bit of a concern. But I want to say that uh, I, I think I'm leaning towards Nevada to, to pull off the sweep. I think that they have it in them. All right, let's play our favorite game. Oh, boy. At, in Boise at Taco Bell Arena, who, who do you think's favored in this game? First of all, start there. I think I think Nevada's favored at fifty three percent. Hey, you're getting good. It's fifty three point five percent. Congratulations. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Finally, right. getting better. But our predictions are probably going to be terrible. So exactly. I <laughs> we'll see what happens. Here's my. I think Boise is going to win because of the Caleb Martin uh, Liz Frank injury. Mm-hmm. He has that foot thing. And that's that's an issue. And so he. Yes, he. I'm seeing how much he played the other night, but that's a. I'm 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 questioning also how bad the Liz Frank injury is because typically those are sidelined you for a while. Yeah, I saw that it was if you go to a non-surgery route on a Liz Frank sprain, you're expected to be inactive for six weeks. He missed about uh, not even six days. Yeah. So I don't I don't he's playing hobbled regardless of whether he plays thirty minutes or ten minutes, and Nevada has a short bench. I think 
the front court has to step up for Nevada as it does whenever it plays a team that's has more size, and that's definitely what Boise State does with six seven Hutchison, six nine Singfelder, and um, the the three down low Haney, George, and Wacker. So um, the front court has to step up. I think that they'll be okay as long as Caleb Barn is able to play and, and and play a decent amount of time, but. It's going to be a great game. I hope it's as entertaining as it was the first time the the two played in Reno. Well, officially, the injury, it may not be Liz Frank because it says a sprained ligament. But I've never had Liz Frank. Have you, Eli, ever had that sort of injury? Nope. It's been knock on wood, right? Exactly. Only rest helps that injury out. So one way he could be okay is because there's a football player I used to cover. They would injure that all the time. They're like, the doctor basically said, if you tear it again, it might as well just tear it completely because you can't ever tear it again. Hmm. Which is, okay. I guess that part of the ligament's not overly important. It'd still be painful. It'd still probably set you out. But I don't, I'm not saying that's the case, but I know a guy, he's like, I'd rather just tear it completely because it won't regrow. It'll cause some pain, but it's not like a big, big deal, really. So I'm guessing Liz Frank was not the issue, but. Like I said, he's going to be hobbled. If you have a ligament in your foot, you run a basketball, you jump, you trip, your feet get in the way of other people. That's a hard thing to do. But I'm that's why I'm going Boise State. They're at home, and Martin may probably not going to be healthy the rest of the season. And so that's a big reason why I'm going to pick the Broncos to be victorious. Yeah, and Boise State needs this one, and even more so than just at-large chances because they need they need to show that they can beat one of the best teams in, in this league, and they've They've had their fair share of issues the last couple of weeks, as we have discussed. So um, the road does get a bit easier after the Nevada game. They host Air Force, and they're on the road to play Colorado State and a slumping San Diego State team. But uh, if they can end up as a two-seed, then they'll be in the driver's seat to at least get to the Mountain West Tournament final and have a chance to punch that auto bid. All right, so let's get to, um, you And you'll have a piece up on Hutchinson as well, correct, over the right. game? Yeah. Sometimes this week, I don't have the certain date yet. All right, so yeah, keep in tuned. Keep stay tuned for that, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, there's like we mentioned games here, and there's not a million games we're gonna talk about. But UNLV San Diego State play this weekend, and UNLV are we wrong? What's up with UNLV? Are we wrong again? Are we right again? They keep surprising everybody. It, doesn't it change every month? <laughs> I don't. I don't third. know. UNLV has been playing really well lately. And they had that slump, their first seven games of conference play, where they just did not look the part. And they've returned to their November and December self. They've and they've been playing really good basketball. Yeah, technically they are third place in the Mountain West Conference. However, one, two, three, four, five teams also have seven wins. <laughs> and, it's so wide open. Yeah. And of those five, UNLV has five losses. Everybody else has either five or six losses. But you could argue they've been playing the best because they beat recently uh, who they beat Wyoming. Nevada and nearly beat St. Boise State on the road, so they're going to beat Air Force this week on Valentine's Day. But Saturday they got they go to San Diego State, which is a pretty big rival. They beat the Aztecs at home last time, so maybe that could be uh, just for seeding purposes, really. Because I guess Aztecs are getting a little bit more healthy, but I don't know if they're quite there yet. I, I San Diego State. I don't know if is it time to give up on them. I just I'm not seeing it. Probably. They're five and seven right now, thirteen and ten overall. Blow down the second without, half last night against. Nevada. Oh, they, they got level. Yeah, it wasn't even competitive in the second half. So it, I, I don't know what to make of them. It's just again, like they have talent there, but get healthy and then not to get too much tournament stuff. But that stuff could always happen once you get closer or in that setting where if one thing happens. But UNLV, I'm not going to say they're going to be a dark horse to win anything in the tournament wise, but their team, if they might finish where we thought probably fifth in the conference. I think what they'd want to do is avoid that opening round game, which you want to be the fifth seed, and then they'd play somebody who played the day before. And so that's probably what their ultimate goal – well, not ultimate goal, but that's where I think I would place them at, just edging out probably Utah State and New Mexico to get that fifth spot. Yeah, I mean, one one or two bad losses, they moved from third to probably what, seventh or <laughs> – Yeah, yeah so – so they have to finish strong, and their remaining schedule is, is not that easy. Um, they have to go to San Diego State, as you said, in Viejas. That's always a tough place to play. Fresno State, they've already suffered a loss to. They host them on February 21st. And then their final three aren't easy either. They're at New Mexico, home against Nevada, and then at Utah State. So you could probably assume that they'll lose at least one or two more games the rest of the way, and they'll be cluttered in that 3-8 three to, three to eight range, or maybe 3-9 to nine range with all those other teams. Um 
fighting for a position in the Mountain West tournament, just trying to be able to pick up some wins in Vegas. So it'll be interesting to see what the Rebels do from here on out. I think they need to get to 10 wins to be that fifth spot. And Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, I think so too. That might be tough. Air Force, almost a gimme. Like, I'd say like 90%. Oh, let's check the BPI while we're at it. Oh, boy, yeah. 96.3%. <laughs> okay, nice. You see, you know BPI. <laughs> exactly, apparently. Uh, but, yeah, I think they can beat Air Force. Maybe Fresno. I think they're... If I can rank the win order, probably like Air Force. I want to say Utah State, UNM, but they're on the road. But I think they can still beat both those teams. But it's going to be – watch them. Honestly, I could see them winning just one more game. Like it would not shock me if they lose the final five games. At San Diego State, you can mention Fresno. At UNM, host Nevada. At Utah State. They could lose all of those games. Or they could win four of those. <laughs> could you imagine? Oh, my God. Our mentions would be a disaster. Yeah, whatever. It's not not big deal. We're cool. We're good with it. Uh, <laughs> was there one more game we want to discuss? Um, we got CSU. Justin was being too politically correct at times. At least Stacey's gone. Come on. He's not going to be coaching Saturday. He's not going to be around. Uh, I guess Nevada, Utah State could have some intrigue. It's in Logan. It's yeah, um, it, it might. Kobe uh, McEwen, McElwain, whatever you want to call him. McE- I don't know. Kobe M. Um, all right, Eli. Kobe. Yeah, Kobe. What's the – who's – Obviously, Nevada's projected to win that game. I, I don't. I honestly don't know if it's obviously at this point because BPI Ooh. just doesn't really seem to make much sense to me. So who do you, who, who I'm do you down think, for whatever. Okay, who do you think's favorite in this game then? Okay, I do think it's Nevada in this okay, instance. Okay, good. <laughs> and yes, 70, 78%. Oh, you're on fire. What? What is 78.1% for Nevada. Oh, my gosh. Let's go. It took only 25 games to figure this thing out. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. now that we're in mid-February, yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm starting to figure it, figure it out. Uh, and I don't know. We're just going to talk about bracket stuff, obviously. I don't know. One, I still think one big league we mentioned before, tournament seeding. We'll get into that probably next couple weeks. I may do a piece or two because I've been slacking on my tournament projections. I apologize, folks, for that. But just because it's been insane, it's more I – may, I may adjust it to more seeding tournament, not at large, because it seems like just – I may morph that article to change a little bit for here's the daily bracket or something just because it's a complete mess. Right now, like I said, three through nine, eight is seven wins. And it's, a, I, it's a complete mess everywhere, even even with uh, brackets and like the top four seeds. Everyone seems to be having a bad week. The whole entire country is having a bad week. Yeah, I'm looking at really quick Missouri Valley standings, which is right next to Mountain West. You have Loyola Chicago, which is 11-3, and three, and then it goes Southern Illinois. I'm not going to name the teams, but – Eight five eight five eight six seven six seven seven six and eight six and eight. So basically, like a game and a half separates second to like tenth. In yeah, it, it's it's wide open. All right, but I think we're good today. We've talked plenty of our Mountain West stuff, plenty of Colorado State stuff. So we will be back next time to talk. What else? More Mountain West basketball our website mwr.com. Yes, that's a good website. Check it out. Subscribe to our podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio. Tune in anywhere you find podcasts can be purchased for free. We're there. So check us out and we'll see you next time.